Hi, welcome to Shift. It's PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the creative director of PwC Canada. This is our third COVID podcast, and we're coming to you from our respective homes, which is very cool. For those of you listening, we have an amazing guest today. I'm super pumped to be talking to Mark Wayun, who's the president and CEO of Porsche Canada. Mark, welcome to Shift. Hello, John. Thanks for joining. I mean, here we are. I know you told us before we started rolling that you've been in quarantine for the last couple of weeks because you've uh, recently come back from um, your home in France. And so you're probably itching to get out and drive. Oh, yes, of course. I, <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is that I'm just sitting at my desk and I just see uh, all day long my uh, Taycan Turbo S just waiting for me in front of my driveway. So this is really something. Well, I think like the majority of car enthusiasts, you know, Porsche is one of those hallmark brands that, you know, as kids, we used to put posters up in our room. So it's one of those brands that we dream about and want to own and really understand. So thanks for so much for, for spending the time and, and chatting with us about it, because actually as a company, Porsche has gone through some pretty amazing transformations of its product offering and how it goes to market and stuff, which we're going to talk to about soon. But just for the purposes of um, our listeners, it'd be great if you could just uh, take a second and kind of just tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the auto industry and um, what your sort of career path has been like. It's a long journey. I think like many uh, at, at that age, uh, I would say around 13, 14 years old, I was really so passionate not only about the cars, but especially about Porsche. Porsche for me at that time was already standing for this puristic design, also performance, innovation. It was the time of the 959, if you remember. I visited the Paris Auto Show in 1984, and there was this 959 concept. I remember um, the 959. And you know, the, the funny thing is that at that time, I contacted a few Porsche executives that were on the Porsche stand or the, in the Paris Auto Show. And I just tried to get a brochure, you know, for 911. I think it was my first brochure was 911 3.2 car. And uh, I told them, how can I work for this company? Because if I cannot afford one, I want to work for Porsche. And uh, in fact, it happened. <laughs> and uh, it was not only by chance, I would say. I had a chance to be a headhunted after 10 years at Mercedes-Benz. I worked in different positions for Mercedes in France in Germany, in uh, Great Britain, the marketing and sales area. And then in 2005, I had this huge opportunity to be contacted to by Porsche France to become head of sales. It was a good story for me because uh, it went really well with, with Porsche France at that time. Then I became director of sales and network development. And then my uh, managing director left back to Germany and uh, he told me, Mark would like to apply for my position. And uh, he said, you will not be the only one. And I can tell you, I did fight like a dog to get this job and I, yeah. I get it. So, yeah. And then my career continued in uh, with an opportunity to go to Canada. The board member in charge of sales and marketing, the one who hired me in France, contacted me um, in uh, 2018 for, uh, you know, asking me, do you want to, uh, to have a, a new career step and uh, do you want to see something different? And I say, yes, of course. And then he said, uh, I have the best country for you. That was Canada. So uh, I decided, and you know, it's not easy huh, because uh, leaving your home country and uh, basically arriving in a new country, 
is not that easy, <laughs> but uh, honestly, this was great fun to be here and such an interesting market, such uh, passionate customers. Yeah, and also uh, a great team, I must say. It's, my team is also one of the reasons why I wake up every morning and smile. I love it. So let me ask you, you know, you talk a little bit about the people and, and, and um, you know, the staff that you have and the enthusiastic customers in Canada. I, I'd love to, to hear a little bit about the focus that you have on people, the passion that you have about people, which is a really interesting thing to think about in your position in a way, because you think it'd be all about the sheet metal, all about the cars, all about the motor, all about the driving experience. But there's something about your approach that really focuses on people. And so tell me a little bit more about that. As a manager, you need to deliver first, deliver results, exceed expectations of your customers, and also uh, shape a little bit the culture of your company. What I learned in my different experiences is that the most successful managers are the ones who focus on culture and people. And I really believe that by empowering people and by trusting people, you obtain a collective intelligence that not a single manager can have. You know, some mm -hmm. managers are just leading and commanding, controlling people, asking them exactly what to do. I would say maybe that's a little bit old-fashioned now. To get results and really um, achieve your goals, achieve your vision, you really need to empower your people. You need to have a great culture, and a great culture is not something you can just dictate. You need to build it, and of course, then comes the passion. But the passion for, for sports cars in my job, it's not something that I'm thinking about every day. I'm enthusiastic about, about cars. Of course, I'm a car guy, but the most important in a company like Porsche is to have the right vision for your company now and for the future. I love it. You know, it's interesting that you talk about the sort of collective intelligence. And by the way, I'm probably going to steal that, okay? Because I think that's a really great term. You know, at PwC, in the work that we do, we talk a lot about sort of human-centered design and really designing and including all the different users and people who will be affected by a solution, a piece of technology, uh, a new product, whatever the case may be. So it makes me think a little bit about sort of the Porsche story in terms of if you think about how cars are built, if you think about how racing is done, it's not one person, it's very much a team dynamic. And it sounds to me like, in a way, you're kind of employing that a little bit in terms of uh, how you're approaching sort of the organization. Would you say that's right? Yeah, absolutely. And when you listen to Ferry Porsche, he said so many things that are for me uh, visionary. The, first of all, this, this family spirit is is very vivid at Porsche. We, we mm -hmm. have that this family spirit. It's a, it's a big family, of course. It's, a, it's now a company with 35,000 people. There is a family spirit there. You know, uh, Ferry Porsche used to visit the factory in, uh, in Stuttgart. And he was, you know, just um, saying to his guys that um, he doesn't need to build sports cars. He needs to take care of the workers that build sports cars so that they build the best sports cars. This is what oh, he man. said. And I think it's a great, great assumption. Take care of the workers. They'll take care of the product. I'm really interested in um, what's been happening with COVID. You know, we talk about people are important and um, listening to people and making sure the customers and it's really kind of like before COVID, it was very face to face and it was really about sitting and experiencing and talking. And now it's like COVID is kind of people light, you know, like where are the people gone? They've sort of scattered to the wind a little bit. But even still, you guys have done amazingly well from sales. Tell me a little bit about the whole COVID thing and how, how you guys have managed to really do well. COVID was something that nobody was really trained for. 
I think that the whole thing about COVID is that it's not having a better answer than the others. It's more about learning and acting quickly, you know, because nobody has the answer. Everybody is in uncertainty. But I think that what makes the difference is really to be nimble, to be fast, and again, to be listening a lot. And in the case of, of PCL, if of my organization, I, I think we have been doing great because we really try to be ahead of the pandemic and not behind. We had also some intuition, some gut feeling that we need to change completely the way we worked. And, you know, the, the fact that we had already a, a culture that was a little bit different because in mm-hmm. Canada, I can tell you my, my main target when I arrived here is really to bring this culture up to speed with more collaboration, with, with you know, listening to the customers, being working more together, empowering people and, and so on. And I think that if you have this setting in your company, you can respond much better to this situation. So I think that COVID has completely flattened the organization and increased the intensity of communication. And it was all about anticipation, being agile. I mean, when I look at my figures in March, what, what would have been the forecast for the year? And I can tell you between the 5th of March, we decided to create our COVID-19 task force. There was only one person that died from COVID in Canada at that time, one person. But I thought, okay, having a look around what happened in China, uh, starting to happen in Europe, I thought we need to organize ourselves completely differently. So we we shifted from a traditional, let's say, agenda for the management to COVID-driven organization. We have created a COVID task force that included all the expertise uh, within PCL, with, of course, all the directors. And we have created a structure with a set of COVID KPIs that we are following up every week. I asked my PR manager to every week present to the whole manage COVID management team what is happening in Canada, what is happening in the world, what is happening in the automotive industry, just to get a glimpse, a feeling of, of you know, the environment with what we need to focus on, what would be the, the main changes. So it's really about pivoting the, the organization, uh, being very efficient and quick in deciding, analyzing and implementing. And then it's, it, I think it's a lot about communication towards customers, of course, uh, that was the, the really main focus. We really pivoted online to engage with our community. It's communicating also with our dealers, because for our dealers, that was a shock. Closing the doors of the dealerships during two months, three months, no traffic, no after sales, no revenue. Last but not least, the communication with uh, the, our employees was also very important. Every two weeks, we have a town hall meeting, virtual town hall meetings. We are trying also to to do pulse check with our employees because not everyone is in the same situation. Uh, So, I mean, it was very important to really um, check on on the team, uh, communicate regularly on what we were doing, also asking the team to present their initiatives, what they were also trying to think as a good solutions for during COVID. So that's, so for example, we have a project team that presented the e-racing activities. We were doing the Cup Challenge Canada every year on the racetrack and suddenly no possibility to do it. So what can we do? We did it immediately and we were certainly the first among the first subsidiaries in the Porsche world to start an e-racing championship and to lead that successfully in Canada. And, and by the way, we will continue it. I love how, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, new initiatives and, and new ways of doing things that, which leads to kind of my next topic, if you don't mind, which is really about that interplay between digital and physical. There's especially in sort of the automotive category or sector industry, 
the interplay between, you know, our iPhones and our computers and our tablets and the showroom floor and build and price. And I mean, this is like, it's this crazy web of, you know, information and experiences and the smart brands, I think, are the ones who are treating it as holistic, uh, as kind of like the same side or both sides of the same coin, if you will. And I, I'm pretty sure that that's kind of where your head is at. That's where your philosophy is. They're not separate entities. They should work together. If you could maybe tell us a little bit about your philosophy on the digital and physical experience. Yeah, there is a lot to say about that because, uh, as you can imagine, in uh, Porsche is is about emotions, fulfilling your dreams, having you know this incredible this goosebump when you start the engine of the car, and this is all about a physical emotional connection with a car, and nothing can replace that. But during COVID, we just realized what is the value of this physical experience, and we need now to work on this physical experience so that it becomes extraordinary. We integrated during COVID more and more steps in the customer journey that can be digital. I'm not saying that everything has to be digital because in our uh, industry, it, it doesn't make sense. But the seamlessness between digital and physical experience is the key. When you look at what we are offering on my Porsche on our website, it starts to be good. You can really do a lot online. And we have really accelerated that during COVID. You can take a service appointment online. You can pay online. Uh, you can, of course, configure your car and then send the configuration to your dealer and then visit your dealer in, in the best safety conditions just to look at the material. And then we also introduced new services like contactless delivery. Every dealer at, in Canada, every Porsche dealer has started to do because we were not able to deliver in, in the dealerships. It's really a, a combination of, uh, of an existing plan that we had to, to really move more and more functions in the customer journey online, but also new initiatives like, like this contactless service or contactless delivery, and of course the physical experience. And the physical experience needs to remain, as I said, extraordinary. That's why we invest so much in our uh, dealerships at Porsche. We have a, a new CI coming next year. Among the first Porsche centers, you will have uh, the Porsche Center Markham in the Toronto region that will start with this new CI. And the, the, the intention of, of this new corporate identity is to create a destination Porsche. It's a place where you can have a coffee with Porsche Club members. It's a place where you can discover things about the, the innovate, technical innovation. It's a place where you can see the history of the brand with a classic car uh, display. It's a place where you can uh, experience the racing activities because most of the dealers are also uh, involved in club racing. Porsche is certainly the only brand where you want to show to the customers the backstage. You want to bring the customers to the workshops and show them how you work on their cars. This is part of the experience. In all the other manufacturers, this is hidden. I love it. Hey, curious. Has there been any like digital technology that you've seen that you go, oh, I really like that? Honestly, not so many. I think that uh, what we have seen that was really for me innovative is all the activities that we have done, for example, on social uh, with our community. And also, uh, for example, we have organized tech nights around the Taycan, for example, with live broadcast of in-dealership events, very professional, you know, with uh, videos, with interviews of, of experts, with 
videos inside the car that were broadcasted. I think it's nothing special. But uh, during this time, that was really uh, well perceived because lots of people would not have gone to an event in a dealership, for example. So this is really something I, I really liked. Another aspect that I think we made great progress and it's a bit more, more technical is the, the configurator and what we call the Porsche Finder. If, if you go online and configure your car, I think we have really one of the best configurators on the market. You can really, really play a lot with, uh, and, and I do it myself. You have so many choices. You can put the car in front of your driveway, you know, upload a picture and see the car in your environment. And then you can generate a code and uh, your sales executive receives the code. That's really great. And, and another good example is the, the Porsche Finder. And we are among the very first markets on the world to have our total inventory on this Porsche Finder where you can really look for a car and even do a reservation of this car online. So I'm not saying that you can fully buy this car because, you know, we, we, have, a, we have a sales model where the dealer is so important. I'm kind of hearing a bit of a theme, in, which is uh, transparent. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, you, you mentioned the Taycan a couple of times, and I, I'd like to talk about that now, if you're all right with that, because it's kind of like the living embodiment, I guess, of new tech, human-centered, you know, creating product for people, sustainability, environment, good corporate citizen, electrification. For those of you who are listening that may not know, uh, Porsche recently launched the Taycan, which is its first fully electric vehicle. It's absolutely stunning. It has all the trappings of every sports car you've ever wanted with the convenience. I sound like an ad now with the convenience of <laughs> having the back seats. But anyway, tell me a little <laughs> bit about how the Cadillac came to be because, and I was saying this to you, our team at PwC earlier, it's like, I, I know Porsche as a company who has always been thinking about incremental change. Yeah, it's interesting what you are saying about uh, this incremental change because it's clear that uh, Porsche is, is a combination of, uh, of tradition and innovation. What is really incredible in, in this brand is that after the birth of a new car, uh, the car is so disruptive and so new, you have such a great concept and then you, you just update it year after year. But you need to start with a disruption before you go in this direction of updating your car, refining your car year after year. It's the pioneering spirit. This is a big part of the DNA. And think about the Panamera. Panamera was the first four-door sports cars. It was really completely disruptive in the segment of the, let's say, luxury big sedans. Driving a Panamera, you understand instantly what I mean. It's different. The Cayenne, when the Cayenne was launched 2002, 2003, this was the first sporty SUV, you know, an SUV that, that and, and in the meantime, all the manufacturers try to go in, in this direction to, to combine the, this usability with dynamic chassis and sporty chassis. So, you know, there is a sentence. I, I picked a sentence from, uh, again, from uh, Wolfgang Porsche. And it was so interesting. He was mentioning the Taycan and the Michelin. And when, the, you know, the Michelin was the, the concept Michelin. car. Uh, this is what said uh, Wolfgang Porsche when the Michelin was presented. And, you know, this Michelin was a big disruption again when we showed that in 2015. That was crazy. He, he, he said, and, and I just wrote that because I thought it was really so meaningful. He said, my grandfather built an electric car, the Loner Semper Vivus, in 1899. 
So the mission E stands for the audacity that is a Porsche tradition. I love That's that. Amazing. But That's, I think that totally sums up the perspective of being having tradition and family, but also being innovative at, at the yeah. same time, you know, disruption. It's also, and especially during this time, as, as I was saying, because the, the car the car industry, the automotive industry is, is completely disrupted. Many people are saying that it will change more during the next 10 years, the last 50 years. And this is true. We need now um, nowadays to reinvent ourselves. And uh, I think that Porsche, in, in its specific segment of sports cars, you know, we are a sports car builder, designer, uh, is, is really thinking ahead because as all luxury brands, we need to show, uh, to lead by example. We need to show the way because luxury goods have also this role to, to really uh, anticipate what the future trends will be. That has been the case in the 70s for, you know, all the security features in the car, yeah. for example. And, and basically, we have no other alternative. Everybody understands it now. Sustainability is the only way for a sports car to be to survive and to, to, to continue to be successful in the future. There is no choice. The sustainability, is, and, and I would even say zero emission, uh, not only at the tailpipe, but uh, the, during the, the entire life cycle of the vehicle and also during the, the, the production and the manufacturing process is the only way today. So I think Porsche as a company understood that long time ago. And uh, the Taycan is the best answer for all the people who, you know, of course, we are all Porsche fans. We like the loud engines, the flat six, you know, loud noise and so on. But driving the Taycan every day, I can tell you, I wouldn't believe how this car respects the Porsche DNA, how this car has a soul and how this car is emotional when you drive it. Of course, it's different, but it's always, it's always been like that in the Porsche history. You know, there is a time where all the Porsche aficionados would say it's, it was better before, but at the end of the day, Porsche was always right in moving the brand to the, the footprint of the brand into the future. I love to hear how big brands like yourselves are really thinking about cradle to grave sustainability because the first thing that people will always say about EVs, electronic electric vehicles is, you know, oh, the batteries, they're harmful and this is harmful and that's harmful and what do you, and, but the thing is they don't, spend the time to understand what brands like Porsche are doing in terms of the factories themselves, the materials being used, the recycling programs, all these different, you know, the plus. I saw you talking in an interview somewhere about how Porsche is starting to now build charging network in Canada to sort of help and I guess to lead people because that's the first thing they always ask, right? How, how What's the range? And then, of course, it's like it depends. But the, that's the first thing. The range anxiety on EVs is like off the charts. Um, I think it's really interesting how as, a, as an organization, you guys are sort of taking matters into your own hands, if I understand it correctly, and starting to build infrastructure, you know, between Toronto and Montreal or Vancouver and Calgary, say, so that people can kind of, you know, get into the warm bath, if you will. It's, it's like a nice, yeah. a nice way of getting into it. Yeah, that must that must be quite the undertaking. That's a good question because ch charging um, is is a key success factor for electric vehicles. Range anxiety exists. That's true. You know, at Porsche, we really try to have a, a holistic approach. Depending on your journey, your charging needs are different. I mean, most of the time you charge at home. 
you know that 80% of the time you just charge at home because 80% of the time or 90% of the time you just commute with your car. And for that, we have one of the most advanced solutions in Canada compared even to other markets. We implemented with my team a digital solution for the dealers, a home charging portal that really supports the customer journey. When You know when the customer comes to configure the Taycan in the dealership, he has the possibility to really to go through a journey on this portal uh, where you qualify, you really answer a few questions about your, you know, where you live in your home and what kind of installation you have. And then we have selected qualified technicians that are certified by Porsche. We, we selected them on specific criteria. And these technicians just go to your place do a home check and then recommend you a solution for your home charging installation. So, of course, every situation is different, but we really customize the home charging solutions to your home setting. So that's the first step of our strategy. The second step is, uh, of course, charging on the road. And for charging on the, on the road, you know that uh, that's a huge investment. And we are doing this investment not alone. We do that with the Volkswagen Group in Canada. We have voluntarily decided to invest millions and millions of, of Canadian dollars to uh, put on the, the main highways charging solutions to 350 kilowatts. So you will have in the near future more than 30, in total 32 charging stations. And every charging station will have a minimum free to four pedestals, and some of the pedestals will be sp specifically designed for high-speed charging, just to make oh, sure that, that we provide to our customers what they expect when they are traveling long distances. And with this uh, high-speed network, you can charge up to 270 kilowatts, and basically that you can charge from zero to 80% charge in less than 25 minutes. This is an incredible asset for uh, Taycan because we are the only one on the market with 800 volt architecture that provides this capacity to charge rapidly on a high speed charging network. So that's that sounds like a step up from DC fast charge. Yeah, it's a big step. And I just experienced myself before uh, uh, traveling to, to France recently. I drove to Ottawa. We have done several drives with journalists, for example, and this is really a great experience. You can you can now drive to Montreal without any hassle, without any range anxiety, because you stop and I can really tell you, I drove to Ottawa myself. I could have driven almost, you know, directly to Ottawa because my range in my Taycan 4S at that time was more than 400 kilometers. We have uh, now eight stations available and we will have normally at the end of the year, more than 20 stations available. And uh, in 2021, we'll have 32 stations. And of course, it's not enough. So that's why we also uh, see a lot of public investment on charging infrastructure on the road, also private investment. I can say that you know that Petro-Canada, for example, has implemented many charging stations across Canada. And last but not least, we want to have also um, what we call destination charging. Destination charging is uh, when you go to a hotel, to a golf course, to a destination, you have a, a charger, not a high-speed charger, you know, between 10 and, and 20 kilowatts, but you just plug your car during the night and you get a, a fully loaded car in the morning. Or just you go to a restaurant, uh, to a nice hotel, and you stay two hours and your car is recharged. That, that's really a good service. We will have 10 locations uh, selected at the end of this year, and we plan to have minimum 30 to, to 40 locations 
with destination chargers by the end of next year. I love it how you're really thinking about sort of the total sort of ecosystem or environment. We're talking about, you know, really creating a total experience for customers. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about something that's kind of exciting and new that Porsche is doing, and that's the Porsche Passport. I know it's a bit of an experiment, but maybe you could just tell listeners what it's about and kind of how the idea came about and why, as a brand, you've decided to do that. It's a very good question because uh, this is uh, certainly a, a very promising offer that we have now. It's the subscription model. So why creating this? Uh, you, you know, I you know I think that and we think that consumers increasingly want more flexibility, more individual choices, and uh, also more convenience, and to have this on their mobile device. So our strategic direction is to be the most aspirational brand in a new era of mobility and customer expectations. This is our, our vision. We want to offer a choice in how people can experience the thrill of driving a Porsche. And our market research show really show that consumers want to, an option across a, a big spectrum from access to ownership. And Porsche Drive is that response from the brand. It's, it's attracting new customers to the brand uh, that wants to experience the brand, but maybe because they are younger, because they just want to experience first, maybe also because they want to experience different models and they don't want to have uh, a car that they own. They just want to have the experience of it. These people are clearly attracted by this model. So we started in the US. We then continued uh, with a pilot in Toronto, and we see a great response, especially in Toronto. Um, we have at the moment more than 30 cars, almost 30 cars uh, in operation for this program. So it's becoming serious. It's uh, very successful. Uh, because we also attract younger people to the brand, which is a big target. We want to attract younger customers. We want to attract more urban customers. And we want to also connect with younger generations. Young generations have different expectations. For them, owning a car is not the ultimate dream that generations 20 or 30 years ago had. But I think that young generations still are attracted by strong brands and also want attracted by real-life emotional experiences. And we see a great response. And for example, the average age of people subscribing to the drive model are about 40 years old. The average Porsche customer, the traditional average Porsche customer is more 50 years old. So it's interesting to, to create a new funnel for new customers that could possibly then also lease or buy a car. We have the full spectrum today. You know, you can rent a car for a weekend, you can subscribe passport launch program, for example, for two weeks, one month, and then during this month, change for a Cayenne to a 718 or a 911. And then if you like the car, you can lease it and own it. So this is a full spectrum. Again, the customer is in the driving seat. That's the most important. I love the fact that you're picking up on a really kind of important trend, I guess, in consumer behavior, and that's the idea of customization. Now we're talking about, hey, for a, a monthly subscription price, you can change your car as you wish. I love the fact that it kind of, it almost feels like a response to car sharing in a way. You know, when we think about millennials and younger people, they would prefer to have internet over a car, these kinds of things and saying, well, okay, if that's the kind of the dynamic that we're working with, how might we attract younger people and then move them through the experience to purchase or lease or whatever Ultimately, it's super, super smart. Another part of the experience is this app that we have. It's really at the touch of a button. You can really 
uh, swap your car to another one that would be delivered to right to your door. So it's really this this interaction between digital and physical experience that really go hand in hand. Okay, so just a couple final questions, Mark, that, uh, before we get into the lightning round, if you don't mind. So for people who are listening, what kind of advice might you give CEOs, leaders in different organizations who are going through, I mean, this really is a quote unquote unprecedented time. And it sounds like, you know, you've weathered the storm very smoothly. What, what would you tell leaders in Canada? It's very challenging time, as I said, but I think the most important thing would be uh, to use both a telescope and a microscope. That means mm-hmm. really have this long-term view, keep the vision and refine the vision based on the acceleration of the trends that COVID generated, but also microscope because it's time to fix short-term problems every day. I'm going to steal that one too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, one of the things that we like to do on shift is kind of do like this lightning round, uh, non sequitur questions. Mark, you've been in Canada for three years. Curious, what are your top three favorite things about your Canadian experience or Canada in general? Huh, three things. So I would say diversity, nature, and people. What has surprised you most about Canadians? I would say a good balance between um, private life and uh, work life. They are very flexible, very engaged, but at the other hand, really uh, having good time for outdoor activities, for family. And and this balance is very important for me. I see that as a clear asset in a company. I want people to be balanced and to have a good work-life balance around me. And I think that Canadians are really good at that. One last random question. Are you a Raptors fan, a Blue Jays fan, or a Maple Leafs fan, or none of the above? I will answer very clearly Raptors for only one reason. I had the chance to go there with my sons. We went to see um, in uh, in Toronto uh, a game, and it, that was fantastic. So, uh, and I was there also last year for this incredible moment, and I was lucky because you know um, when the, the French football team won the World Cup. In 98, I was expatriated in London. This time, I was in Toronto when something incredible happened for Canada. So I had the chance to leave there. That was quite a historical moment for everybody, I think. I think so, yeah. Mark, that wraps up this installment of Shift. I really want to thank you so much for being part of it and being so open and transparent with your answers. As a car guy, it was super interesting for me. And as a, you know someone who's interested in tech and transformation, listening to the stories about Porsche and Porsche Canada and the stuff that you're doing is really inspirational. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com slash CA slash shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.